Hello everyone and welcome to episode 1 of Muse Talks. Today we're going to be talking about the future of care with Beth and James from Comanche County Council. We had a fascinating conversation the other day on teams that I just thought I needed to share with the rest of the world and there's some really interesting topics we look into about improving outcomes for children in care, growing up in poverty, challenging the stereotypes, the COVID crisis and much, much more. Because essentially what we want to do here is help young people get to where they want to be. And how does that happen? It happens from one conversation like it did, you know, in Tielwin of figuring out what someone's passion is yeah. and, and putting them in touch. The issue is it needs to be much wider than the staff that we've got within the council. Yeah. Because um, with the best one in the world, um, we, we are limited in what we can do and what we can access and what our skill base is and realistically to develop really bespoke packages that are really flexible around individual young people. Mm. We need to be able to link in with the wider community and the wider network and for whatever reason councils always find that exceptionally difficult. Um, they, they always find it um, hard to use the, you know, to have updated technology You've linked in with us quite a lot on that and, and met up with some of the challenges um, because of the security and because of the um, old-fashioned bureaucratic systems. Um, so actually making ensuring that young people have broader horizons yeah. and develop the skills they need does take um, a net that's sort of a bit bigger and a bit more outside of the council, really. Yeah, and I think, Beth and I, that's the most interesting problem. It's like, how do you solve that? Because I remember when I was younger, you know, I was in a position where I was like, you know, what what do I even do with my life? Like, I have no idea what that is. And it was literally just by chance that, you know, I watched a couple of videos, I got interested in the internet, you know, I taught myself how to code and stuff. Like, how, as like a local authority, can you create a pathway that does inspire young people to, to do something with their lives? Because, you know, growing up with so much like trauma and stuff, it's incredibly hard to be like, you know, positive and, you know, hard to find opportunities. So I think, yeah, like as an authority, how, how could you create those opportunities and I don't think it's just for children in care is it I think no. there's an element of poverty and poverty and economic disadvantage that's linked to it if you are an affluent person and if you've got affluent creative parents uh, who've got multiple networks um, I'm sure that you notice when you went to university mm. that some of your colleagues um, some of the other students just seemed to have such wider horizons yeah. and such bigger aspirations and things that they took for granted yeah. um, of just thinking, well, I can do anything, I can be anything, I can go anywhere. Yeah. Whereas actually, um, once you've grown up in poverty and you've been um, economically disadvantaged, you combine that with having you know, um, perhaps a lack of role models a lack of people with um, expectation of themselves, let alone aspiration for you as a young person, mm. um, then when we ask young people, well, what do you want to be or what do you want to do, they're coming from a pretty limited 
yeah. set of experiences. Yeah. Um, and so it's about how do we broaden those experiences and how do we give young people the safety net? Mm. I mean, some of those things are scary, aren't they? Going to university is scary, traveling is scary, um, setting up your own business is scary, mm. um, moving out of your area, your geographical area is quite scary. Yet um, it's much easier if you're able to link in with other young people that have done it and been successful. Yeah. And what we know is that young people who come from more affluent, stable backgrounds um, tend to have more aspiration and a higher expectation of themselves mm. than children that have been raised in economic um, disadvantage. So it is about how we establish a network for young people um, that tries to level the playing field, really. Yeah. Um, because lots of our young people will be a bit scared and they'll think, well, why would I go off to university in Edinburgh or London or Bath or Cardiff yeah. if I don't know anyone and I don't know anybody in my family or in my network yeah. who's been to university? Why would I go into railing? Uh, yeah. If I don't, if I've never, you know, that's quite scary. If I don't actually know anybody else who's done it, and that's not within my family experience. Yeah. How would I get to, you know, put myself out there to set up my own business or to be self-employed when I don't really have any role models to, 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 to reassure me yeah. that some of those. And it's about failure, isn't it? And confidence in failure. Um, for for some of our young people it's, you know, their life has been full of failure. And so actually they become feeling like I don't really want to try anymore because this is making me feel really bad about myself. Yeah. Whereas other other young people have a safety net behind them hmm. and they fail and they have family or extended family or friends who pick them up and they realise that, that the failing isn't so scary. And yeah. it's about how do we create that safety net? And I think we can create that safety net through other young people. Definitely. <laughs> and to broaden in that network, as opposed to putting, you know, it it is a, it is a, it is a, it is a tough call for social workers mm. and for personal advisors and for staff in the council to be all those things. Um, and we and we can try, but actually, some of us, you know, our experiences, you know, whether that's because we're we're we've we've missed out on some of the, you know, I really try to engage with the digital. Uh, media stuff, but it, I, I still find it a little bit overwhelming. Isn't something I grew up with. Um, some of my staff are much better at it. Some of some of them are worse than me on it. It's like we need something that's a bit more up to date. Yeah. Something that, uh, and I think young people can do that. And I think having a network of young people who problem solve together, yeah. help each other out, and pres and be role models is something that would be really beneficial. Yeah, I think I think that's. That's important. It's really interesting what you touched on there about failure and, and fear. Because, you know, I remember as a kid growing up, I was very, very scared. And I, I, I try to think of that turning moment where fear just kind of left me. It's like, look, you know, if I'm in this position now, it can't get any worse, you know, so why not try something and, and see where yeah. that goes? And the moment you try something, you realize that it takes you somewhere. And, you know, it's exciting, you find an interest and you kind of keep following this path, but it keeps changing. It's like, you know, we grew up in school and we're told like, oh, there's only, you know, you have to decide now, what are you going to be? You're going to be an accountant or a physiotherapist or, 
these are the two things that I thought I was actually going to do. And I was asking myself, you know, why do, why do I want to do those things? Like, they're boring jobs. Like, I don't want to be doing that. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of let go of that fear of failure, actually after I failed, like my A-levels were crap, you know that, um, you know, I really started to find my, my place in the world. And I think, actually, there was a talk um, in Colleague Cigar a long time ago, and it was about entrepreneurship or ideas or something. I remember I put my hand up and I was speaking to uh, a woman, I think her name was Amy Bateman. I think she runs something called Career Cake TV. And I was talking about supporting care leavers and stuff like that. And she was like, you know what, I've grown up in care. And I'm thinking back now, you know, just to see someone be doing what like she's doing and yeah. having grown up in a sister, I was like, wow, why can't I do that? And you know, there's, yeah. there's and so, so challenging many... the stereotype, isn't it? But exactly, also realizing, exactly. and I think um, role models, fantastic, you know, that's what you need. Mentors, people who can say, do you know what? I've overcome some difficulties myself. Mm. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, a family to fall back on. Um, and as I said, it's not exclusive to children in care, is it? You know, there are many children living in poverty. Yeah. There are many children living with families who aren't, for whatever reason, you know, illness, mental health, or whatever, that can't support them. Mm. Um, so actually, this is something for all young people, isn't it? Yeah. Because one of the um, one of the reasons that I became a teacher initially, um, my my original career on, on leaving university was because I felt that every young person, you know, that, that school was the place where you would equal that out, where everybody would be equal. So it didn't matter what your background was, didn't matter what you could afford at home. Yeah. But actually, I don't think education is the big leveller that it mm. used to be. I think, um, and I think that's because education itself is a bit stuck. Yeah. Um, the world has moved on. When I was at school, if I went, if I did my GCSEs and got my A levels, I'd go to university. Um, I was I grew up in a single parent family, so I got a full grant to go to university. If I didn't, I wouldn't have gone. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't any money in my family, um, but those options were there for me. But they were also quite linear. You know, mm. you would go to university, you would be a teacher, you would be a social worker, as you were saying. You know, these, these very fixed jobs. Yeah. And actually, for most young people now. They're not going, it's not that linear. Um, for people, um, unless their parents can afford it, they probably won't go to university. And um, and you're not going to get a career for life. Lots of lots of people are going to be um, changing their careers a lot, trying to find ways, different ways of, um, of making money, um, utilising technology in a way that, that, that um, we haven't done in the past. Mm. And I don't think schools are set up to give young people the skills for that. No, definitely um, not. And I don't think we in um, children's services or in the council are set up to develop the skills for that. We will, we moving forward, we will have to rely far more on partnerships yeah. and networks, and because everything changes so quickly. Mm. So you know what COVID, um, what the COVID crisis has shown us is that we can use technology in ways that we didn't think we could use use it. And as you know, when we've been trying to use technology, um, some of that has been significantly limited by fear and anxiety in the council, data protection, um, et cetera, et cetera. 
But actually, when the necessity came for us to do it, what we've noticed is that young people engage with us far, far more mm. than they did <laughs> um, without us using things like WhatsApp. And, and they're far more relaxed and telling us, you know, keeping in touch more, um, yeah. giving us more information, telling us what they think. And actually, they feel far more comfortable communicating with staff um, in that way than the, than the traditional ways of, you know, face to face gosh, we were still using emails, yeah. etc. you know, which, um, so the world's going to move on, isn't it? And I think the net, I think utilising creative networks is going to be the way forward. No, 100%. Um, you're writing a paper, aren't you? Aren't you doing a study or something? I'm writing a PhD, James. A, P- a PhD, yeah. Tell me, yeah. Tell me more about that, because... All the, all the discussions we have, we um, never talk. I've really got to get, I haven't done anything since COVID. My main, the main thing is um, that since I've been working in Carmarthenshire, we've done quite a lot to improve outcomes for looked after children. And it's, um, and what we know is monitoring the data over the years, so what we call, you know, longitudinal data, um, <laughs> as we have more kids in university, uh, we have less children leaving school without qualification. We have less children going into places like um, Rita Gorse, you know, the specialist places for children with behaviour issues, yeah. people referral units, very low numbers there. Uh, we have fewer children moving schools, um, more children in employment and education and training. So what I, what I try to do is to... Um, so Welsh Government were quite interested in what the difference was in Carmarthenshire to other other counties. Yeah. Um, and I I was trying to think about what that might be. So I tried to think about what kind of changes have been put in place um, to make that happen. And I think some of the things are, um, are training for school staff on understanding... Um, you know, in understanding children who have experienced trauma. I think it's um, building relationships with school staff mm. um, to help them understand our young people, as opposed, you know, so improving those working relationships and those networks, um, as well as being a bit more flexible and trying to do things that are a little bit more creative. Yeah. So we started to offer to use the council as more, more of a training resource. So if a young person says, well, I don't really know what I want to do, we've set up ways in which they can come in for 28 days and get some work experience in any department. Nice. That, you know, it doesn't... So, again, talking about what we were talking about earlier, is like making it safe to fail. Give it a try, it's fine. Yeah. You know, you can take up the flute and fail. You can say, oh, I'll take up the piano, I'll take up the violin. One day you might find a music... You know, it's like it's okay, isn't it? You don't get the result the first time no. um so you might want to come in and and, and try something for a, a while get some work experience yeah. and um and, and and try it and see whether it's something you like and it, and it might not be and that's fine we can just try something else yeah. so trying to promote that culture of engagement and support in the council that enables people just to try um and to get different experiences on the understanding that again as we were talking about earlier is when you're um, come from an economically disadvantaged uh, point of being economically disadvantaged, being poor, being on low income, um, you might not have the role models. 
So it's quite easy if um, to see yourself as a young person, isn't it? Yeah. To think, oh, I could be a nurse, I could be a doctor, I could be an artist, I could be an architect, yeah. I could um, be an astronaut. If somewhere within my parenting and my experiences, I have people with those aspirations for me, yeah. but also I can, I'm reading books about that, I'm following people on Twitter who do that, yeah. and I believe that somebody from my class and position, gender, or whatever, can, yeah. can do it. Yeah. Uh, and you're more likely um, to have some of those experiences and aspirations and access to just basic information yeah. about different po- different roles um, if you come from a more um, affluent family. Yeah. Um, so making sure that the council um, offer those options is really important, I think. So we did that. So we encourage people to do work placement, to do... Um, to offer traineeships, to get experience of things. Yeah. And I think some of that has really helped as well. But what I'm trying to do is just trying to capture the multiple factors that have contributed yeah. and so that we could perhaps um, build on what's working, isn't it? Making no. sure we're capturing and what works, thinking, mm. right, okay, let's hypothesise that more of the same would help more people then. Yeah. and be perhaps transferable to wider groups of young people. Yeah. Because children in care are a really small group cohort. There's lots of other vulnerable young people, um, or young people with vulnerabilities in the community. Uh, and, I, and I actually think the largest of which is poverty. Yeah. 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 I mean, think, think about it, right? Um, kind of like coming back to my journey and what you were talking about there, about like broadening horizons and, and having work experience. It's also, you know, informing, you know, young people or whoever of what is out there, you know, yeah. in the world, in this ever-changing world. Like, for example, you know, when I needed a laptop for, for uni and I was just, you know, people use laptops to like write Word documents, yeah? But the laptop is incredible. Like, you know, considering, you know, I still have the same one, by the way, how far this has taken me... How, how it's enabled me to build my own business, you know, um, learn how to code from video editing to music production, you know, I'm building games now. Like, a laptop is just a laptop that you can watch Netflix on, right? But, you know, if you're surrounded by people who are in, like, these industries and, you know, are making money doing it and that interests you, you know, what's the stop us like running workshops for young people on how how to do these things because i know for a yeah. fact and if you've got a laptop this is all these are all the crazy things you can do with it yeah yeah let's have a go isn't it and i think um during covid welsh government introduced um some grants available for young people um in, what and what um to address what they were calling um digital equity mm. um because as schools were doing things online and, and supporting um as schools were um, presenting lessons and support online, they realised that many children in our communities didn't have access to the com- to computers. Mm. Um, their parents didn't have broadband, no. and their homes didn't have Wi-Fi. So actually, they couldn't access their learning, and they were seriously disadvantaged by not being able to access learning because they didn't have access to the digital equipment required to do so. And I think that's been an eye-opener for lots of schools and um, lots of people um, in positions of power and government as well, is to realising that we assume Mm. 
mm. that everybody can click on Wi-Fi. We put lessons online and expected all the children, um, um, and expected all children to to access it. And we realised that actually there are many children living in poverty who can't access that. Yeah. So. Um, so again, now is a good time to utilise some of that because the Welsh Government has given us grants to provide laptops for young people. Yeah, but that's fantastic. Um, but it's it? something that we've done in corporate parenting. And again, that's another thing, going back to my PA, you know, the reasons, that's another factor. We've always, you know, since I came in post, why would we not give young people mobile phones or um, laptops? Whereas in mm. the past, they were always seen as, well, only if you're in university or in college or only is seen as, it's like, but how do you get there if you don't have one? Yeah. <laughs> so, so when I came into post, that the policy was that you could have a laptop if you needed it for your GCSEs, for your A levels, yeah, and if you were engaged in learning, and that if you weren't engaged in learning, so if you'd opted out of school or weren't fully engaged, that you wouldn't get one. Oh. Which just seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Because yeah. how are you going to access the world and your social network and? Yeah, if you don't have the tools to do it. If you it. don't have the tools to do it. Wow. And it's not going to be conducive to helping you engage and find out what you want to do and re-engage in education if you don't have one. Mm. Mm. Um, maybe let's talk a bit about the housing project because obviously this is episode one and it's a bit of a freestyle. But um, I think it'd be good, you know, depending on whoever listens to this, the, they kind of know what is trying to be done about all these issues. Because obviously, you know, a couple of months ago I raised to you and obviously you raised to me about difficulty of leaving care and, you know, going into independent living and kind of what happens next. And, you know, that transitional period for a lot of young people can be, you know, make or break. And I think, you know, what we're kind of proposing is a solution, solution to that. So maybe it's worth uh, talking about that. Maybe mentioning your discussions with the housing yeah there's a range of um there's a range of problems isn't there in that there's not really um affordable or accessible housing for young people um over the age of 18 and um, and particularly for care leavers even though there is a one and ready arrangement so that young people can stay with foster carers for longer it's still um their accommodation options are pretty limited yeah. now if you're a student you can have shared houses, um, you know, you can go into halls and um, you can get some of the, the, you can have that sort of sense of community. Yeah. And um, young people tell us that their options are really restricted and um, and often it's a quite a big leap to take on your own tenancy. Yeah. Um, you may still be in part-time education or, you know, that's obviously quite a big expense as well to take on your own tenancy yeah. for, for accommodation. So, uh, but, uh, so that was a barrier, but also the fact that they were quite lonely. So where sometimes, it had, you know, young people had taken on their own tenancy. Mm. Um, we had a number of young people that very quickly um, wouldn't stay in there, was, would prefer to sleep on a friend's floor or sofa for the company. Yeah. Um, because actually it's quite isolating um, because you don't have that wider network of family members but also you don't have it's not like being a working you know being a young person 
um, in a city, mm. you know, particularly rurally in Carmarthenshire, where you're sharing a house and you've got other people working and yeah. there's a bit of a vibe going I mean, on. And I mean, when I started... You might socialise together and you might go off and watch a film or you yeah. might watch a film in and get pizza. So it's quite, a, quite an isolating experience. So I think there's a real need to link um, education, training, accommodation um, options together and to give young people wider choices yeah and i think where we've tried to do that in the past they've been unsuccessful because they've become a bit of dumping grounds Mm. so you tend to go into those accommodation those shared accommodation models yeah like you know um tend to be for young people who aren't working who aren't in employment yeah um who are perhaps struggling in some other way as well but it's not helping them together and, and it doesn't help because there's nobody there modeling or sharing come on actually you know we could be doing something different here Mm. so the idea of sort of co-created spaces where people take ownership of their space but can also do training they could also run their own enterprise from them so we combine some of the challenges in education at the moment some of the challenges in uh, employment so that more people are going to be self-employed more people are going to be um entrepreneurs themselves yeah. um, as well as um, combining it with housing options yeah. and I think that that I don't think it's the total answer because there are other you know young parents for example would just want their own property um, and there should be a mix but I think those options should be in the mix so that we Definitely. create something that's a bit more of a vibrant community for young people yeah where they can share their skills together and they can co-create and co-build and also share the resources. So, um, you know, some of the nice examples that you've talked to me about is, you know, like, you know, you have a furniture maker, you have somebody who can do IT mm. and how that benefits the communal living space, yeah. but also how those ideas bounce off each other to think, oh, we could we could do a film night, we could set up a pizza in a parlour and it's about how you use it to incubate and develop some of those ideas that people have yeah well i um, think related um, to social enterprise or 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 creative um projects yeah i think me me kind of coming to london was was quite an eye-opener in terms of like lifestyle of like how people live you know because it's so expensive here you have to share with people um you know sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad like the place I'm living now is, is kind of quite incredible and is, is what inspired me to kind of come back to Wales and, and look at, you know, an alternative housing model, especially for kind of people going through that transition into independent living. Because, you know, it's sad to see, like, the town centre, you know, a lot of it is empty, like an extreme amount is empty, but there could be so much kind of value added to the space with, with the right model. And I think, you know, taking a disused building and using the partnerships with uh, let's say colleague cigar for example um and you know bringing in kind of carpenters like plumbers bricklayers instead of like building and knocking down walls in a field they could be designing a home that they may live in for example which i think is you know amazing in the community building side of things so that could be helping like local businesses uh, find apprentice uh, apprentices Um, It would be helping apprentices get into employment. um, And the outcome of that would be kind of like a shared space where, you know, like I said to you before, the top floor could be for co-living. You could have a communal room 
for like cinema spaces, shared cooking, whatever. But what's exciting for me is, okay, how do you build something from nothing within a community? And I think that is through your local networks and your local people. So a couple of ideas uh, I spoke to you, Bethan, about before was like the bottom floor, which is like a commercial space that's on the street level. You know, what businesses could you put there or what workshops could you run? So, for example, you could have in one corner uh, a group of designers who are building like bespoke furniture for the local community. Um, in one corner, you could have a photography studio, which obviously operates itself as a business, but could also be photographing that furniture, where in the other corner, you have a team of kids who are learning to code websites, who then build a website for this furniture company. And before you know it, you have a startup that's just born out of, uh, you know, nothing essentially, just people wanting to learn and having like an ambition to to put something out into the world. And it's also like helping the community, which I think is exciting. I think kids need to walk down their street and see something to look up to, you know, some something to aim towards, something to try and fail. And, you know, if we start thinking differently about, uh, you know, the way things are at the moment, like I, I would love <laughs> something like this, um, you know, especially when I was going through college or whatever, just to help me get used to being around other people and also yeah. just learning new things. So the councils have loads of empty old properties that are really, really large and um, expensive to do up, um, but then have a massive um, housing shortage for single people. Yeah. So, you know, there's that issue that needs to be addressed. We have um, a lot of work around regenerating communities, rebuilding communities and creating a sense of community. But we know that most of our young people find their own sense of community online. Mm. So how do you interface that? You know, so we know the desire to belong, the desire to co-create, um, to be part of a community, to problem solve together. People do, young people do that online all the time. Yeah. We, um, so how do we bring that into our communities and to build on those interests and those um, successes? Um, we know that there are people um, who have fantastic skills and don't realize they have them. So things like gaming, photography, MCing, music production. And we know that um, many of our young people do those as hobbies um, rather than mm. um, thinking about ways in which they can set up a community project, a social enterprise, or even their own business from it. Yeah. And how they can, and having a safe space to explore how they might do that and to, and to broaden their horizons. Yeah. Um, because some of our young people have fantastic skills, but they don't value them because, oh, they don't see the value of them. And actually, it's those skills that um, will probably lead into their careers, the most successful careers uh, moving forward. And, we, and they probably need a little bit of help uh, to, um, to see the potential. Yeah. So you talked about you know, the potential in a laptop other than just watching Netflix on it. Um, well, yeah, there's massive potential, isn't there, for our young people who are gaming, our young people who are being you know, creative online, um, utilising all their digital skills. And it's about, like, OK, well, can we give them shared prob community problems to solve? Yeah. Can, we, can they help out the elderly? 
can they have a role in our communities and I think young people are desperate for a sense of community mm. and they create it themselves online and we could be maximizing that through real spaces that yeah. really encourage and pull in some of that wider digital community um, but also the local communities yeah. and somewhere like Thanetley is, is, is a classic example where we really need to be pulling together mm. to regenerate some of that community and I think that that there's probably lots of areas um, in Wales and the UK that's very similar to that isn't that yeah. where we have um, a lot of young people looking for accommodation looking for jobs looking for training and how we might pull something together that's a bit more vibrant and inclusive and a bit more creative and exciting and yeah. attractive than some of the things we offer to young people at the moment no I, I 100% agree I think because I could literally talk to you for hours about this but I just want to maybe wrap this up for episode one but I'm thinking now if there's basically I don't know who's going to listen to this but you know me, me and Bethan are actively uh, you know running projects to try and improve uh, this like I said with the housing um, with the community building um, you know so if there is anyone else kind of out there that thinks that they could support us, uh, we could collaborate on something, um, definitely, definitely reach out. And yeah, I guess I guess this is episode one. Uh, see what episode two looks like. <laughs> this was proper like ad hoc, but um, <laughs> no, it's, it's been fun actually, because to be off honest- Off the cuff. <laughs> off, off the cuff, yeah, but to be honest, Bethan, like, I, think, I think that, you know, this is the only way that our ideas are going to get heard and people are going to actively start to do something because you know we're an awesome team and we can do so much you know together but i think you know if that team grew into every side of you know every industry um you know we could do a lot more good in the world <laughs>